Hello, everybody. This is Jimmy. Welcome back to another episode of our show. We are so excited to be back performing every week, putting out these podcasts every week. We we really like it. We're very enthusiastic about it because our goal is to raise the profile of people and organizations that are doing good work and have some fun while we do it. So today's guest is my friend, Richie Giacopo. He and I were both the uh, the, the starting guards at the Cambridge Latin 1973 Suburban League co-champs. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right. That's right. You say young Jim Tingle. I never knew you played basketball. That's right. I was the point guard, starting guard for Cambridge Latin back in 73. And uh, we had a lot of fun. And we, we had a pretty good team. You know, we were 17 and 3. So that was a good team. But anyway, in Division One too, back in the day. That's a difference. Yeah, and that was very cool. But anyway, Richie and I have been friends for, you know, since we were kids. We're on the swim team together at the Cambridge YMCA. And we've been reunited um, in the last uh, year or two because I heard about a, 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 a tragedy that happened in his life. I ran into his brother and I said, how's, how's G doing? That's his nickname. I said, how's G doing? He said, well, he lost his son. I said, you're kidding me. He goes, no. And he told me about it. And I called him up. I said, gee, let's, um, what's the story? And is there anything we can do to help? So he told me about Ricky Inc. So I was hoping, gee, could, you could just talk and tell our listeners today, uh, what is Ricky Inc. And, and why did you start it? Uh, well, yeah, thank you, Jimmy. Uh, Ricky Inc. is just, it's our nonprofit co- uh, corporation. It's a uh, 501c3. And we started it uh, in memory of our son, Ricky. Um, we lost him on May 11th, 2019. And, you know, of course, um, like any parent uh, that loses a child, your life is changed forever. So after several months of, you know, the pain and hardship and sorrow, uh, we decided we wanted to do something. So we came up with this idea that we were going to give backpacks out to people that are suffering from, you know, facing homelessness substance use disorder, mental health issues. And, uh, you know, R- Ricky uh, passed from an accidental overdose. And we don't hide behind that. He had a uh, an illness. It's called substance use disorder. And we we do these backpacks, you know, in memory of him. And the reason it's called Ricky Incorporated is because sometimes when people pass, uh, their names leave people's lips after so long. And we just wanted to make sure that anybody that dealt with us had to say our son's name. So when you say Ricky Inc., you're saying Ricky. And we want everybody to know that. Uh, the, the substance use disorder that took his life uh, didn't define him, though, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. He, um, he, was a, he was a wonderful guy. And he was smart. He read a lot of books. He read almost every book he could get his hand on. Uh, he was a certified scuba diver. He used to go diving with uh, myself and his brother Christopher up and down the Massachusetts coast, uh, Florida, Florida Keys, Aruba. He was an animal lover. He volunteered for the MSPCA. He had a job at the, the um, Animal Rescue League. He was a member of PETA. Uh, he had quite a sense of humor. And uh, he, he one time he dro- dressed up as a turkey <laughs> in a suit. And he got on the commuter rail out here in Norwood and took it into Boston and spilled over the Mass Pike on uh, Thanksgiving shouting, don't kill turkeys, don't kill turkeys. So he had a, uh, quite a sense of humor. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's the, the, the thing that we wanted to do is just remember him and hold him in highlight. Not A lot of people have a stigma 
about, you know, addiction and substance use disorder, whether it's alcohol, drugs, or anything else that, you know, there comes a stigma with it. And we want to try to destigmatize things, educate the public, but more so help people that are suffering. So that's the community that we target our services for. And we do, we give them backpacks filled with personal uh, needs items like hygiene products, socks, hats, gloves, blankets, things like that. We uh, also provide transportation. If somebody is on the street and they want to go to uh, a detox or a treatment facility, but they can't get there, they can contact us. And, you know, once we confirm that that's where they're going, we will send an Uber for them. And we've done that many times. And we also have a, a, a very small sponsorship program whereby once you go through your detox, you know, what's, what's next? You're going to go back on the street? Do you have anywhere to go? And if you don't and you need to get into a house but don't have money, we will pay the first month's rent and enable you a, a month to be able to find a job and, you know, start supporting yourself on that. Now, those are just some of the things that we do. And, um, you know, we, we've gotten some really good results. And we just, uh, like we said, I said, we just want to educate the public. Right. And for those of you, I don't think I mentioned it off the top, but we're doing a fundraiser on March 30th at the Norwood Theater. It's a comedy fundraiser. I'll be hosting. And my guests are Steve Sweeney, legendary comic here in Boston, and Christine Hurley. Christine Hurley, also known as the queen of Boston comedy. She's really funny. Initially, we had Lenny Clark, but to his credit, and we're all very happy for him, he got a sitcom and he starts, sent, he starts filming it out in Los Angeles the week of uh, March uh, 27th. So he'll be out of town. Originally, he was on the bill, but Christine Hurley has stepped up and she will be, she's hilarious if you've never seen her. Really, really funny. And she'll be uh, on the bill as well. So it'll be myself, Steve Sweeney, and Christine Hurley. And the tickets are at jimmytingle.com. And would love you to attend, if you can. Uh, proceeds to benefit Ricky, Inc. Tell me, uh, G, when you do this work, how is it being received by the shelters? How is it being received by the people who get these backpacks? And did you say there was Narcan in it as well, in the backpack? No, we don't, we can't, we're not allowed to just put it in. Okay. Uh, but we're certified by the state of Massachusetts Bureau, Bureau of uh, Substance uh, Addiction Services. And we, um, I'm trained as, you know, a Narcan trainer. Right. So what we do is we go out and we, when we have somebody who wants the Narcan, a lot of times it's just family members, Jimmy. Yeah. Because we do meet with family members and say, listen, you know, this can be a life-saving device. Just have it on hand. Keep it in your purse or your pocketbook yeah. or somewhere in the house you can get it quick. Because Narcan um, may not necessarily be the end-all cure-all to save their lives. But what it does when somebody is uh, having an overdose from an opioid, the Narcan, uh, you know, if one or two doses are administered, nasal uh, naloxone, as they call it, um, it can buy time. And what that means is it buys time for emergency medical services to arrive and administer the proper levels of either, you know, intravenous Narcan or however else they can, you know, um, you know, help them. But that's what it does. And for people that have been Narcan three, four, five times, whatever, it's, it's really saved their lives. And basically, when you look at it in the long run, it's buying time for, you know, the emergency medical teams to get there and help them. Right. So tell me, how has it been received as you bring these backpacks to the various shelters and 
Uh, how have the people responded both in the shelters and the people who received the, uh, the backpacks? We get nothing but the most appreciation, Jimmy. Um, we have, I can't tell you how many people have just said, God bless you. You're doing God's work. Uh, thank you so much. We've had people break down in tears and say, I didn't think anybody in this world cared anything about me. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's heartwarming just to see the, the response and the, the uh, facilities themselves and the organizations, the shelters, the harm reduction places that we go and we distribute these things. Um, the staff, they're, they're falling all over themselves to help us because mm. we're helping them by giving these services to their clientele. And uh, it really goes over well. And just to, just to see somebody just cry because they, you know, just got a backpack with a fresh new pair of socks in it. It's really, it's, it's, something, it's something else. It's very rewarding. Tell me how in your personal experience, how has this helped you or has it helped you in terms of the grieving process, your wife, you, your wife, Bernadette, the rest of your family members? Has this been a helpful uh, endeavor in terms of your personal uh, grieving? Uh, it has, you know, we're, we're still struggling, you know, mightily and we will always will. I mean, there's one thing that if anybody hasn't suffered a severe loss like a child, um, it, it's with you for the rest of your life, and you just have to learn to live with it. Um, you know, we expect to bury our parents. We expect to bury our grandparents, maybe a sibling, but it's totally unnatural to bury a child. And that has a, uh, you know, a, a kind of a different effect. Not that anybody else's grief doesn't equate to mine or ours. It's just different. and. It, you know, doing Ricky Yank is kind of therapeutic and, you know, because we go out, we have to do so much, you know, people in the long run see us giving out backpacks or Narcan or providing some of these services, but there's so much behind the scenes that has to be done. Um, it's a good thing I'm retired because it's like a full-time job. Right. <laughs> you know? right. And um, all proceeds from the comedy show will be going to support these backpacks and, and the efforts of everybody. And I believe it's an all-volunteer organization. Yes, we are 100% volunteer. Nobody takes a penny. So uh, every, every you know, everything that we get from a donation or, or, you know, for a purchase or whatever goes right into the organization. And then we'll go right back out when we need to buy 300 backpacks or, you know, 300, you know, uh, bottles, bottles of uh, shampoo, toothpaste, toothbrush, shave cream, razors, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it's... It's really great, and it's once again heartwarming uh, that it is 100, percent you know, volunteer, and no, nobody wants a penny, which is great. Uh, you said you were retired, G. Now I know this, but uh, tell people about your background. You you come from a law enforcement family. What was your role in the on the Norwood Police Department? Uh, I was a patrolman for 20 years, and I had several, you know. Um, hats that I wore during that time. I did, you know, crime prevention, safety. I was in the schools. I did, you know, like, uh, you know, cover it all type of thing. Mm -hmm. In my last 10 years, I was in detectives where I worked major crimes. Um, I was also on a narcotics task force, which was kind of ironic because I was, you know, working on that and still having those problems at home with my child, uh, which was kind of a double-edged sword that kind of hurt, but, you know, it happens. Um, I was also assigned to an FBI task force where uh, it was uh, human trafficking 
task force. So, you know, I, I, I think I had a very well-rounded career and I really enjoyed my time in detectives. Um, it, but that's how I ended up and I retired as a detective. Mm -hmm. Now, your dad was also in law enforcement, right? Yeah, my, my father was a detective in Cambridge. Because I remember your dad used to come to the basketball games, yeah. and my mother would be sitting on the sidelines running up and down the court, and Mr. <laughs> Chatton, uh, other, the center on our team, his father would be there with a gazoo, playing the gazoo in the like like, you know, warming up the crowd with a gazoo. My mother would be running up and down the court. My father was saying, sit down, Francis. You know <laughs> We had a crew back then coming to the games, but I remember your father coming to the games. And how long was he a detective in Cambridge? Oh, I, I got to be honest. I don't know how many years he was, but he was there for a while. And let's just say it goes back to when they had a task force. He worked on the uh, uh, the joint task force for the Boston Strangler. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, he was, you know, he, he he's done quite a few homicide investigations and he was in on that task force. Um, and you know, it, it just runs in the family, Jimmy. Yeah. Um, my oldest brother, Michael, he, uh, was, uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. He came back up here. He ended up with the Cambridge police and he was a superintendent in, uh, in the Cambridge police department. Uh, my brother, Steven, um, he's bounced around. Uh, he's, you know, he was a detective, um, at, um, Boston university and he went to MIT. He was a sergeant, and uh, he's been the Middlesex Sheriff's Department. He went up the ranks to captain, and I, uh, right now he's retired and he's working in, uh, I believe, it's private security. So uh, we, we covered all bases, and we even got my younger brother Scott, who works with animals. He's you know he's with the MSPCA, and he was a police officer in animal control, um, and now he goes around the country um, teaching shelters how not to kill animals. So we we, we got everything covered. Wow. So if you come to the show, folks, the whole family will be there. They're all in law enforcement. There probably won't be any security issues. So it'll be a very safe environment if you'd like to come. <laughs> uh, tell me, gee, you know, your experience as a police officer, a detective, and then experiencing this tragedy in your own family. Wh what would you say the perception of the police of law enforcement is with people who are in the shelters, who are suffering from substance abuse disorders. Has that evolved over the years? Are people more empathetic and sympathetic to people's situations than they might have been 20, 20 years ago? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I was going to say uh, years ago, uh, there wasn't as much sympathy as you would think. Uh, today, it's more of a community policing role, and it varies from department to department. Like our department here in Norwood, uh, we're led by Chief Bill Brooks, and he is very, very, very community oriented. And he passes that down through the trainings and his expectations of his officers. And uh, we, we got a really good group out here, and they uh, right hit the nail on the head again. Um, they're, they're constantly being reinforced that, you know, we, we need to engage the public. We need to, you know, be, meet them on their terms, on friendly terms. And he has. Uh, really embraced, and he's been such a great friend to Ricky Inc. as well. He's embraced this as, you know, some people hear, oh, uh, substance use disorder is just a fancy word for addiction, and, you know, you get this, this cynical sarcasm. Um, well, actually, it's not. And for those who are educated, the people who, when you go get a, a mental health clinician wants to do an evaluation on a person, 
they have what's called a DSM-5, and it's the Data for Statistical uh, Issues of Mental Health. And inside of it, as a diagnostic tool, is substance use disorder. And it lists signs, symptoms, and how to... How to so it's actually a diagnosed illness. So when people just say, oh, no, it's addiction, it's a choice, they're uninformed. And that's one of the things we want to try to inform them. And the answer to your question is, yes, the police culture is changing. And hopefully it's going to continue because it's not 100% there yet. Right. And I imagine that because, unfortunately, the disease is so prevalent, there's probably many people in law enforcement that have a father or a son or a brother or a wife or a mother or, you know, daughter yeah. that are are also addicted as well. Yeah. Um, when... When this first happened, you know, uh, shortly after we lost Ricky and, you know, close friends come to aid, they want to talk. The biggest thing is nobody knows what to say. Mm. And it's very difficult conversation. And I've come to understand that. And I just want them to know, you know, there's, there's nothing out of bounds that they really need to talk to you about these things. And it was surprising how many people and cops actually said, well, you know, uh, I never told you this before, but my niece, my my nephew, my son. Mm. And it's kind of like hiding behind a dirty little secret, Jimmy. Mm. And if you saw the obituary that we put out when our son passed, it was laid out. He suffered with this illness for years, and it didn't define him. And really, it was a lot of people that I was just amazed and said, well, you know, my first thing was, you know, we're getting into helping people. What can I do to help you? Mm. Oh, so that's where we are right now. Nice. And not to mention the police officers themselves who are susceptible to the disease. I mean, it doesn't discriminate. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's, it's very well known that, you know, alcoholism and drug abuse is prevalent and, you know, high stress jobs like a police officer's job. Yeah. So uh, I haven't had any cops reach out to me on that venue yet, but I have uh, helped a few nieces and sons. So um, as long as they know we're here and that's all we want to do is help people. You're doing great work. So congratulations to you, to your family, to all the supporters, all the people who have been helping you, all the volunteers. And, uh, you know, we're honored to be able to do something for you and to help Ricky Inc. So folks, March 30th, Thursday night, we're doing the comedy show at the Norwood Theater. Would love you to come by. It'll be myself, Steve Sweeney, and the queen of Boston comedy, Christine Hurley. Tickets at jimmytingle.com. If you want to learn more about Ricky Inc., it's rickyinc.org, rickyinc.org. And if you can't make the show, you can always make a donation there at rickyinc.org. All proceeds go to buy backpacks to help people in homeless shelters and kids, especially kids who are living on the streets, and try to get them into some sort of treatment try to improve their situation. They're combating homelessness. They're combating addiction. They're combating the loneliness that is epidemic in our country right now. And they're doing great work. So please support them any way you can. Richie, it's been an honor to help you and to work with you. And I'm really inspired by the great work that you're doing. So my love to you and to Bernadette and to the whole Giacopo family, every police officer there. They'll be at the show. Again, folks, security will not be an issue at this show. Thursday, March 30th, 8 o'clock, Norwood Theater. Tickets at jimmytingle.com. Richie Giacopo, thank you so much, my brother. Love you.
Thank you. Love you, brother. And you're the best. So God bless. Thank you. God bless you too, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. See you, Jim. Bye-bye.